A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, this is Jason Solomons. I write every week in The New European on the best in film, from Europe, Hollywood and beyond. If you'd like to enjoy more from The New European, do join us by subscribing at theneweuropean.co.uk slash subscribe. Hello Snowflakes and welcome back to The New European Podcast with me, Steve Anglesey. I'm the editor of The New European. If you like what we do and you want to help us keep on doing it, then please join us at theneweuropean.co.uk slash subscribe. Coming up on this week's podcast, the leader of Belarus's shadow government in exile tells us why Alexander Lukashenko should be sanctioned alongside his mate Vladimir Putin. Plus, you give us your verdict on Rishi Sunak and his botched spring statement, and then we'll put more blowhard backbenchers, malevolent ministers and putrid pundits into our hall of shame. So I'm recording this before uh, I've seen the final of the latest series of The Apprentice, the UK version. And that's good because I'm still thinking about the semi-final of the latest series of The UK Apprentice. I'm thinking particularly about Brittany Carter. I don't know if you remember her or you've been watching The Apprentice, but anyway, Brittany Carter, young woman, a hotelier with a big dream to develop an alcohol-based protein drink for all of those fitness freaks who like to tie one on after working it out. Um, Brittany went into the semi-final really confident that her idea was groundbreaking, that her numbers were sound, that she was going to breeze through all the expert interviews and into the final. And, and then when she got to those expert interviews, she was told that her business plan was just a brochure. It had no sound financials, had no worthwhile forecast. There was Nothing uh, to back her up uh, beyond her hopes and dreams. And Brittany Carter could be the Chancellor, couldn't she, of the UK? Uh, because this is the week that Rishi Sunak, uh, he put out a brochure too. Um, and the reports aren't very, uh, aren't very uh, positive towards Rishi Sunak. The biggest fall in living standards on record was one headline in a newspaper on Thursday morning. The forgotten millions say, what about us? Was another headline. And those headlines were in the Telegraph and the Express, the least questioning, the most gullible of all the right-wing press. It's extraordinary, Rishi Sunak, isn't it? He's a low-tax chancellor who's massively hiked up the tax burden. He's a levelling-up chancellor who's put 1.3 million people into poverty. He's a man of the people who says he can't help all of the people. He's a great communicator who's 
turns out to be techy and evasive when he's actually asked a question. He's a political genius who's given Labour an open goal over windfall taxes on energy companies. And finally, he's the eat-out-to-help-out man who spends interviews talking about all the different breads that members of his billionaire family like when the people he's ignoring wonder if they can afford just one sort of bread. And guess what? Despite all of that, despite his botched spring statement that's going to make people poorer, he's still the people's favourite, the bookies' favourite, to be the next leader of the Conservative Party and the next Prime Minister. What does that say about the rest of the Conservative Party? They used to explain the lack of talent on the Labour benches post-Blair and Brown by using a phrase, and that phrase was grass doesn't grow under a heavy roller it suggests that if you work directly beneath somebody with massive intellectual health and the heft and the will to get things done you're kind of crushed by them it's dark down there and there's no real time to nurture your own ideas you're busy pushing up against them well boris johnson is heavy but he isn't a heavy roller is he so how do we explain the lack of talent under him Sunak, a busted flush now. Truss exposed on the world stage as just being a blank space. Reese Mogg, a 19th century ventriloquist dummy. Pretty Patel, a moral void. Rather, android Dorries is a joke. Maybe the lesson is not that grass doesn't grow under a heavy roller, but if, the, if you stick your cabinet full of the cast of Fraggle Rock, you get government by the Fraggles. Now, your thoughts on Rishi Sunak and his spring statement, and we asked listeners of this podcast, if Rishi Sunak wrote a book, what would it be called? Lots and lots of replies here. Leah Face says it would be called Never Give a Sucker an Even Break. Sally Harper says, I kissed a rich girl and I liked it. Damien Allen says Rishi Sunak's book would be called I'm Considerably Richer Than Yao. Gareth Hunt, possibly not the gold blend Gareth Hunt, as he is quoting 50 Cent, he says it would be called Get Rishi or Try Lying, Life at the Centre of Johnson's Cabinet. Paul Nelson says Rishi Sunak's book should be called The Wolf of Downing Street. Chantal McCann says it should be called I'm All Right, Jerks. Mark Wakenham says it should be called I Can't Believe They Keep Falling for This Crap. Stephen Wyatt says Rishi Sunak's book should be called The Sunak Also Rises. John O'Brien says Confessions of a Loan Chart. And Kay Kendall says Rishi Sunak's book should be called Let Them Eat Different Breads. And Rachel Pierce says Let Them Eat Nothing. And finally, James Barham says Rishi Sunak's book should be called The Unsubtle Art of Being Seen Not to Give a Fuck. Now, before we go to Pavel uh, Latushka, I want to remind you about a special series of podcasts from The New European. On the night between November 23rd and November 24th, 33 people were trying to stay alive in the English Channel. They were in a tiny inflatable, too many of them, and it was deflating. They called for help over and over again, but nobody came to help them. By morning, they were dead. This was the worst tragedy of its kind, and it took place in one of the world's busiest shipping routes between two of the world's richest countries. 
In the days that followed, we learnt more about the people who died, men, women and a young child. But their stories were soon eclipsed. First, there was a political row over who was responsible for the deaths. Then the story faded away to be overtaken by government scandals and the coronavirus pandemic. The new European has spent a month retracing the journeys of some of those who perished. Where did they come from? Why did they leave? What drew them to Britain? And why did they have to die when the ships that could have saved their lives were so close? In this three-part series, we tell their stories because they deserve to be told. And we ask, what can be done to fix a system that's so inhumane? The whole series of The 27 is now available to stream or download in the same new European feed where you found this episode. And if you want to support us to do more brilliant journalism like The 27, you can subscribe to neweuropean.co.uk slash subscribe. Now, while the eyes of the world are on Vladimir Putin and the destruction he's bringing to Ukraine, what about his willing accomplice in Belarus? Alexander Lukashenko is often called Europe's last dictator. He's been in power even longer than Putin, 27 years. And now he is Putin's partner in crime in the invasion of Ukraine. To tell us more, here is a former Belarus cabinet minister and ambassador who is now the head of the country's government in exile. Pavel Latushka, welcome to the podcast. So, Pavel, why is it so important that the West takes action now against Alexander Lukashenko? And, and what action do you want the West to take? Punish Putin's puppet. I propose such slogan. Uh, it's very important and crucial moment to understand it. First of all, we should analyze uh, uh, the role of uh, Alexander Lukashenko. He is 27 years in power, the oldest dictator in Europe. Uh, Putin is uh, he's, uh, 22 years in power. And uh, today Putin has only one ally, and his name is Alexander Lukashenko. Uh, we, uh, it's very important to understand that Lukashenko falsified last elections in 2020 in August. And he organized uh, a most brutal repression against the European nation, Belarusian people. Uh, in the history of the 21st century, probably the biggest repression after the Second World War. Can you imagine that uh, more than 20 people were killed on the streets and the prisons after the falsified elections? Uh, approximately 50,000 people were detained and arrested. Now, now we have 1,101 political prisoners. It is a base. It's a legal base to punish him. But from the other side, today Putin has only one ally, and his name is Alexander Lukashenko. Can we imagine that, for example, in Belarus today, uh, leading not by Alexander Lukashenko, but democratically elected president, and he will be ally of Putin in that terrible uh, war against Ukraine? I cannot imagine. So, uh, absolutely 100% support from Alexander Lukashenko. We can see now uh, during this uh, terrible war against Ukraine. Lukashenko proposed all military infrastructure. He proposed uh, airports, 
uh, all uh, many missiles are starting from the territory of Belarus. Uh, fight jets also, helicopters and bombing, bombing and killing Ukrainian people from the territory of Belarus, controlled by the uh, dictator Lukashenko. And and I mean, and also the the sanctions that have been imposed on Russia leave large holes, don't they, for Western brands to deal with Belarus and for, for Belarus to, to then, you know, export that stuff into Russia? Yes, sir. For example, uh, if we'll analyze the situation in 2014, when Crimea were occupied by Russian Federation, European Union, United States provided sanctions against Russia, against Crimea. But in that moment, Lukashenko starts doing business well. He proposed for the Russian markets, uh, for example, Belarusian Austrians. We have no sea, Belarus, but he sell uh, ice, uh, he sells seafood products uh, in Russian Federation. So he used these criminal or uh, criminal possibilities. He create criminal lines, uh, communications to use this sanction spirit against Russia and to receive uh, money. So the, today we can repeat the same situation. If we will compare the role of uh, Putin and Lukashenko, it's the same role. Because uh, Lukashenko, in accordance with international law, he is aggressor because he proposed the territory of Belarus to start a war against um, uh, Ukraine. For example, Lukashenko said publicly that the first missiles were shot from the territory of Belarus at 23 p.m. 23rd of February, when Putin invasion started five, year, five hours later, 24th of February. And today, of course, if we'll not provide the same the sanctions against Lukashenko's regime as it was provided against Putin's regime, it means that we create a doors, a small windows, windows uh, possibilities to, to organize him a business. Now he's telling publicly, we, we can use uh, this situation to receive more money. Uh, for one side, he received everything from Putin. Uh, he knocked on his doors and last time Putin said, okay, you can not pay debts for Russia. You will receive a price on gas $120. You, I will open you unprecedentedly all Russian market. What it mean? Putin open for Lukashenko regime unprecedentedly uh, Russian markets. It means if I have iPhone, I cannot buy it, for example, in uh, Moscow. I can buy it means Michelin. I can buy in Belarus and I can resell uh, to sell it in the Russian market. So now we are European countries, United States, creating the possibilities for regime Lukashenko. Now, you were a, you were a minister, you were a diplomat under Lukashenko. What kind of man is he and how has he changed over time or has he always been like this? You know, it's a difficult question. Of course, I was uh, too young, and in that first election in 1994, I, I voted against Lukashenko. I never vote for Lukashenko. It's strange, of course, uh, when I'm telling this way. But uh, all elections, I wait that something will change. Of course, as a diplomat, as ex-ambassador, I communicate with the European leaders, uh, European 
politicians. And we discussed, for example, if we will involve Lukashenko in European uh, communication, if he will meet with the presidents of European countries, maybe he will change his mentality. But no, it's never happened. He born as a Soviet children uh, with the Soviet mentality, and he don't want to change his attitude uh, to the people, to the values, to the human rights, to communication in the world. He he's a, uh, he's the oldest dictator, and he using all instruments to stay in the power. Uh, but um, you understand that in 2020, for me, it was also a line, a cross line. When I saw how many people were beaten, how many people were killed, how many cries were, because people were torched, thousands and thousands were torched in the prisons of Belarus, I said, no, it's enough. I cannot survive more. It was risk uh, that Lukashenko want to kill me. Uh, he said to me in 2010 that I will kill you uh, if you will go against me. And so you cannot understand situation. Now I have seven criminal cases. One of them is a death penalty. My daughter has a criminal case. After I started in democratic, uh, democratic uh, forces, uh, co uh, cooperate with the democratic forces, to be one of the leaders of the democratic forces. Sorry, I'm telling this way. So my cousin, he's a political prisoner. And he now realizing what he wants. He repeats during his interview on Russia One TV with Vladimir Solovyov, Yes, I promised Latushka I will kill him. So you can imagine the situation uh, near the Lukashenko. And you, you mentioned that you there were times when you tried to push him further towards the EU, towards, to, towards the West. What's his relationship with Putin been like all, over all this time? Because there seem to have been tensions with Russia over the years and, and times where, you know, perhaps in times where the, the ruble was in crisis or there was a food crisis, that he was moving further towards the West. Has that all been a charade and has he been partners with Putin all along? Lukashenko, during the last meeting with the members of government, said that it is a chance for our agricultural sector to receive profit as maximum as we can. Can you imagine that in public that one of the politicians, for example, European politician, will tell it publicly, Ukrainians has a war, we are killing the people of Ukraine, and now we will receive profits from our agricultural sector because Ukraine cannot sell more food in European market. But he is telling this in public. Please understand the character of, the, of that guy, Alexander Lukashenko. Of course, it is in reality, it is a possibility for Lukashenko to produce more, to use this unprecedented, as he's telling, as Putin telling, unprecedented opening of the uh, Russian market. And but if it helped to survive Lukashenko, it depends from the uh, sanctions which will be provided against Lukashenko's regime. Uh, how uh, European companies will cooperate if they will stop uh, their business uh, doing with Belarus, with Lukashenko regime. Because he also, what he can organize, he can nationalize all their uh, foreign investors 
and Belarus. He will punish. How many businessmen now in prisons? I know many of my friends, not, not my friends, but I know many of the uh, huge uh, business, uh, businessmen uh, in, in Belarus, and they're prison now. So to, do, to have business with Lukashenko, no sense. You will be punished. You will stay in prison. And it will be no chance for you to go out of the country. No possibility. He will arrest you before. The last, for example, example, the uh, president of the Prior Bank, his Raiffeisen Bank in Belarus, were arrested. And he is uh, one of the biggest businessmen in Belarus. I know him very well. So it's so many examples of such uh, criminal cases. But again, it's very important. When everybody is telling Putin, 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 and Putin will have a criminal case in international court. It's very important that two next prime ministers of Great Britain start, uh, start that campaign, uh, Mr. Sir John Major and Gordon Brown, and form a coalition of experts to map out the process by which Putin can be brought to justice for his war crimes. But Lukashenko must be included also. He, um, it's very important for him and for his accomplices to show the road where they are going. Norberg, number two, the criminal court in Norberg, number two, for Putin and for Lukashenko. How do you think that this invasion is being viewed by ordinary people in, in Minsk across Belarus? It is uh, very important to tell you that um, uh, in accordance with their sociological exercises, which were published one week ago by Chatham House, uh, they are uh, telling us that 97% of Belarusians living in the small, medium and uh, large cities all over Belarus, they are against of that war, 97%. Of course, we can find some uh, people, uh, some parts uh, of Belarus near the border with Russian Federation, which can support or can be neutral for that war. Because it's very important to understand that we're living on umbrella of Russian uh, propaganda. We're living for the uh, tens of years. I, when I back from Paris, when I, I, I finished my mission as ambassador in France, I was so much surprised as ex-minister of culture. Wow, where, where came back? To Russia or to Belarus? So uh, Russian propagandists are very active in Belarus. And it is still uh, for all the old world, uh, our TV channels are open. It is still, if you will analyze the news, night news in our TV stations, they are telling Ukrainians is nationalists. Ukrainians keep killing peaceful uh, Ukrainians. Uh, the Ukrainians bombed Kharkov. Ukrainians bombed Mariupol. So they are telling what propaganda of Russian Federation doing the same. Absolutely. But in society, the major part of our population is against of that war. And it's, it's, it is a problem for Lukashenko, of course. And I mean, sanctions are your immediate aim. I, I'm guessing. How would what, what sanctions would really affect the regime, and then how would they affect the ordinary people in, in Minsk too? 
It is a difficult question. Of course, if we are providing sanctions, uh, it means that the people will be um, on risk uh, to be punished. But I am uh, telling our sanctions as a one instrument. The second instrument is a criminal case against Lukashenko. Uh, it's a derecognition Lukashenko as a president because he is not elected president to block all his contracts in international arena, not to present credentials for the European ambassadors, world ambassadors to Lukashenko, not communicate him, isolate him. And if we'll use all these tools, all these instruments, we can create situation when the regime uh, in Belarus will change. And if we will compare with Russia, for example, the biggest part of the Russian uh, population, they are for Putin, they are for the war. In Belarus, absolutely different situation. Uh, 80% against Lukashenko, approximately 90% against the war. So the changes can be sooner in Belarus. But if the Europeans will be strong, if they will repeat the same mistake, what it was done in 2020, when we wait our support of Europeans and Americans, when hundreds of thousands, millions of Belarusians were all over the Belarus. I'm, I, I had a phone calls, meetings with the many ministers, politicians in Europe. I said in that time, Please support us. Please help us. But it was mm, some words of solidarity. And it was uh, time for Lukashenko to, to restart, to restart his uh, repressions against, uh, to, be, uh, to, to use all his uh, police, secret services, to punish everybody, everybody who is against of him. He created a North Korea in the center of Europe. It's very understand. But if we are telling about the sanctions, sectoral sanctions, financial sanctions, when you switch off, for example, SWIFT, not uh, only uh, against three of banks, uh, commercial banks of Belarus, but all state banks in Belarus. If you, uh, for example, Great Britain bought a lot of oil products from Belarus because we have our oil, not a lot, but we have, and we're selling your uh, oil products. Stop doing business in that sector with Lukashenko also. For him, it will be uh, very, uh, very a, a huge problem how to solve it, where he will sell uh, his products. And finally, because I know you, you, uh, you, we have to let you go, but you and your family must dream about returning to your, your country. You're obviously in exile now. Does that dream of returning to, to Belarus seem to be getting closer to you or is it further away? I, I'm sure that now we have a window of possibilities. It is a, a chance. No, it's a chance. It's possibility uh, which is very important to use uh, for our democratic forces because I'm not appealing only this, about the steps, what can be done from the uh, European American partners. We are doing a lot inside of Belarus. Of course, it's impossible to have any uh, legal protests, legal activities in Belarus. Lukashenko liquidate 600 NGOs, 
all independent mass media. We can be only in underground movement, but we are rather active and we are creating this possibility. And if we will receive, if we will support, uh, if, we will, if we will receive a real support from our partners in the world, it is our chance. It is our. I'm optimist. We will win. Thank you so much for joining us, Pavel. Pavel Latushka, thank you so much for joining us. You can uh, read Pavel on Lukashenko and Belarus in the current issue of The New European. To get full access to The New European Archive, subscribe at theneweuropean.co.uk slash subscribe. Now, before we get to the Hall of Shame, I wanted to remind you about another excellent podcast from The New European. It's Great European Lives with Charlie Connolly. It tells the life stories of remarkable Europeans in 10-minute bites, it's a superb listen. It's available where you got this podcast, which brings us finally to the Hall of Shame, where we put blowhard backbenchers, malevolent ministers, putrid pundits, things that get my goat generally. And one thing that gets my goat on a weekly basis is Anne Widdicombe, who is back in the Hall of Shame with her terrible column in the terrible Daily Express. And in this terrible week, she writes this. The government website having crashed, I decided to leave offering rooms to Ukrainians for a week or so until its usage had calmed down. I could take a mum, kids and a babushka. The response to the crisis has brought out the best in Britain. It is proof positive that we are not anti-immigrant, but merely anti-being taken for a ride. Well... Look, those fleeing Ukrainians are going to be grateful for any sorts of refuge and offering to house fleeing Ukrainians is an act of generosity, uh, whoever it comes from. But I, I do think that if you were a fleeing Ukrainian, you would hope to do better than ending up with someone who's going to sit you down and tell you exactly why you're the right sort of refugee, not like all those refugees that are taking us for a ride. And when she's explained that to you, she's going to uh, explain to you why Ukraine is wrong to want to join the EU, because it will mean you have to throw away all your wonky bananas and uh, you won't be able to sell your fish to uh, your own people. And when you come also right, even uh, now, I'm not sure how to find a refugee, having assumed until all the publicity that the site would itself match you to someone in need. Um, and um, there's quite an easy way for Anne Widdicombe to, to find a refugee if she really wants to. She could just ask her friend Nigel Farage, who appears to be out on the coast of Kent spotting refugees every five minutes. People land in there. Just go down there, Anne. You could pick a couple up, put them in there, but maybe they are the wrong sort of refugees for you. Maybe you think they are the people who are taking you for a ride. Leo Kearse is in the Hall of Shame. He's the comedian who appeared on GB News this week with this quip. He said, Nazanin Zaghari Ratcliffe is the Iranian for ungrateful. Uh, then she also said it would have been better if she directed some of her ire towards the people who kidnapped her. And of course, Nazanin Zaghari Ratcliffe did do that in a press conference. Uh, she said things like justice in Iran does not have any meaning uh, and Iran was uh, equally uh, at fault. Of course, Leo Kirst didn't really listen to that. Uh, he later tweeted that he wasn't a racist, uh, but then he referred to Nazanin as Nazanin Zaghari Markle. So make up your own mind there. But foremost in the Hall of Shame this week is the Tory co-chairman, Oliver Dowden, who had this to say at the Tory Spring Conference last weekend. 
As I walk with my children through the calm suburbia of Hertfordshire, its values so derided by the left, I actually reflect on the great fortune we have to live in a nation defined by stability, security, and yes, conservatism. For me, the privet's hedges of suburbia are the privet's hedges of a free people. Yes, he really did say all that. And there's so much to unpack, isn't there, in this? I, I must have missed the when the left declared war on Hertfordshire. But let's end this podcast by reflecting on this. If you're one of the 1.3 million British people who are going to be pulled into poverty despite Rishi Sunak's spring statement, try not to despair. Yeah, you might not be able to turn the heating on when it's cold or feed your kids enough when they're hungry. But one day... You might be able to turn your life around and move to the calm suburbia of Hertfordshire, where the privet hedges are the privet hedges of a free people, thanks to conservatism. That was the New European Podcast with Steve Anglesey. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to our producer, Eleanor Longman-Rood. If you don't want to miss an episode of the New European Podcast, please subscribe, and you can give us nice ratings and lovely reviews too. Please do listen to our new podcast, The 27, available in this podcast stream. Don't forget about Charlie Connolly's Great European Lives, available wherever you got this podcast. If you like what we do, then you subscribe to The New European. It's at theneweuropean.co.uk slash subscribe. You can join our Facebook readers group. You can follow us on Twitter at The New European. You can follow me on Twitter too at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. And until the next time we meet, so long, snowflakes. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.